0: Today is Independence Day. And we celebrate the freedoms that we have as Americans. I am thankful that I live in the United States of America. I am thankful that there are men and women who have paid the price so that we could be free. So that we could live and enjoy the freedoms that we have. There are countries in this world that do not have the freedoms that we have. They cannot gather and worship as we can today. They have to do so in secret. There are missionaries that are working in countries like that, that they're even knowing that they are there could cause them to be in harm's way. And I am thankful that we as a country have decided and did decide so many years ago that God is important to us. And there are some people that say, That this is no longer a Christian nation. There has been a record of even a president saying that in the past. But let me tell you something: that that you know there are righteous people that are in the United States of America, and I've heard, I've alluded to this once before where people have tried to draw a parallel between the judgment of God on America and that judgment will come to America, that if God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, He would judge America in the same way. And I heard an associate pastor of mine preach a message one time and he said, you know what, Uh, that really is not accurate because before God brought judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah, He took the righteous people out of Sodom and Gomorrah. So there is judgment coming, but judgment... Judgment will not come upon the righteous. Now if judgment comes and there is catastrophe that comes and no Christian is affected, then perhaps we can say that that's God's judgment upon a particular area or region or or people or whatever. But as long as there are righteous people here, this is a Christian nation because when God looks down, He sees people who are serving Him. And this nation is a nation how we decide that it should be. And although there are some things that are out of our control and there are people that make decisions, sometimes ungodly ones, that we don't agree with, that the Bible no longer supports. As long as there are righteous people here and as long as there are people that will uphold the biblical truths and values that this book and our founders intended to be, then we will be a Christian nation because there are Christian people here. Amen. I normally go into kind of an extensive overview of our Christian heritage as a nation on this particular celebration of Independence Day. I usually do that. And I remember some of the things that I've shared with you in the past, and I want to challenge you to look into your godly heritage. Uh, Wallbuilders.com is a great place to go. It's the ministry of historian David Barton. And what he has done is he has gone gone extensively to delving into the Christian footprint that our founding fathers and our leaders of days and centuries gone by, all the way dating back to Plymouth Rock and forward. And he documents this in a methodical way. He's a historian. And while some people may try to erase this godly heritage, it's still there. Some of you don't realize that in the early 1800s, just 200 years ago, that even the nation's capital served as one of the first megachurches. There were a thousand people that would cram into there for Sunday services in our nation's capital. And there were politicians, there were people from all around. It was a church service. Some of you are are really puzzled by that. Uh, But it's true. You can look it up in your history. But today... I'm not going to delve into the extensive history of God in our country because it's there to be found and it's there for people who who want to know it. And uh, you can probably look up my message online from a year ago and hear some of that, maybe two years ago. Uh, But what I want to talk about today is I am free. I am free. We've talked about it. We've sung about it. I am free. And we're going to look in Psalms 146 in just a moment, but in the book of Psalms, which it's 150 chapters, they are really songs that were sung. And as this book of 150 chapters comes to a close, Psalm 146 through 150, every chapter begins with the verse... Praise the Lord, and it ends with praise the Lord. This is referred to as the hallelujah, and then new word Yah, Y A H, which is an exclamatory of praise the Lord. It is so fitting how each one should begin and end with this praise the Lord. And it's a reminder of that, up to us, that we should praise the Lord. At the beginning and at the end of everything, we should praise the Lord. In Job's suffering, at the beginning, when things were going good, he praised the Lord. And when things were not going so good, in the middle of it, he praised the Lord. And at the end, when he was restored and many things happened, he praised the Lord. I want to read Psalm 146 this morning. It says this. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord their God hallelujah he is the maker of heaven and earth the sea and everything in them he remains faithful forever he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry and I want you to catch the last sentence of this verse The Lord sets prisoners free. Verse number seven. The Lord sets prisoners free. Verse eight goes on. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who were bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever your God. O Zion for all generations, praise the Lord. I want you to look at verse 7 again. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord sets prisoners free. How many know that at one time we were all prisoners to sin? We were all prisoners to sin. Verse 8, he goes on, he says, he gives sight to the blind. He lifts those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And then the Lord watches over the foreigner. That is so important. It's um, It's really a testament. And it's hard for us to really conceive of the notion. But the Jewish people were God's people. Those are the ones he primarily cared for. But this verse says that even those in the Old Testament, who are not of Jewish descent, Lord watches over them as well. If they are looking to God, and they see, as Moses' father-in-law did, he looked to God, and God watched over him. And sustains the fatherless and widow. Verse 9, he sustains the fatherless and widow. So it's a, it's a real testimony to know that God still cares for those who are in need. So he sets the prisoners free, but those who are still going through stuff, he takes care of them. In the first part of Luke, we read about how the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days and he did his best to get the Messiah to set aside his deity and allow the devil to expand his influence in the world. And we pick up this story in verse number 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Boy, I could preach a message on this, and I'm sure I probably have, where after spending time in solitude and in prayer and fasting for 40 days, Jesus was tempted and was assaulted by the devil, tempted by the devil, and put through all kinds of things, but yet he returned. And the power of the Spirit, because he didn't yield to the temptation. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. This is from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I want you to get that, folks. We read about it in Psalm 147 where it says God sets the prisoners free. And today, Jesus is reading this scripture, which Isaiah 61, which was written 700 years before this time that Jesus was standing up to read. He he reads this. He says, Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus was saying is that this reading in Isaiah As I mentioned, that was 700 years old today, 700 years old at the time. He was serving notice on the devil and letting him know that this prophecy is now fulfilled in me, and I am coming so that I can set you free, and I'm here to set you free. If today you cannot declare that I am free, then you need to listen very closely. The enemy of our soul, the devil, is a thief. And this is what Jesus said about him in John 10, 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But what did Jesus say about him? In the second part of this verse, He said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Have it abundantly. So who is Jesus talking about? If you read a little bit earlier, He's talking about the sheep. The sheep who will trust Him. Those who trust Him are the ones that He's going to watch out for. And you won't be... uh, You won't be uh, 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 stolen from. You won't be killed. You won't be destroyed from the enemy because when you put your trust in me, I am free because I have come to give you life and to give it to you to the full because I've come to give you freedom. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. If somebody tries to say that they're perfect, They're far from it. There was only one perfect, and his name is Jesus. There was only one without sin, and his name is Jesus. Sin is doing something against God. And we've all done it. We've all done something against God. How many know that you don't have to teach a child how to lie? You don't have to teach them how to be selfish. You don't have to teach them how to do a lot of things, it comes natural because it's human nature for those things to happen. It's human nature because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Deception from the enemy came and ever since then, there had to be a sacrifice in order for that sin not to be applied to that person's life. And in the Old Testament, in the Jewish culture, God accepted the slaughter of animals as a blood sacrifice that would cover over the sin until the next year. And that went on year after year after year until Jesus came and He said, I have come to give you life so that you can have it abundantly, so that you can have it to the full. And the only way that you get life is by trusting Jesus. If you don't trust Jesus, you don't get life. You get eternal death. People can think that they want to, think if they want to, that there's no heaven, there's no hell, this life is all that there is, but that's not what the book says. If you want to believe that, don't even darken the door of a church. Don't even hold up the Bible. Don't even use the name of Jesus Christ because it doesn't apply to your life, but it will apply to your life when you stand before a holy and righteous God. We will all stand before God and give an account of our lives. What we have done with with Jesus is the only thing that will matter. It's the only thing. I worked with a guy one time who said, oh, well, we're all children of God. We're all going to heaven. No, we're not all going to heaven. The Bible says that the road to hell is broad and narrow, and many are going to find it. The road to heaven is straight, The road to to hell is broad and wide. I made a mistake there. I just caught it. Somebody's expression. The road to hell is broad and wide and full of destruction, but the road of heaven is straight and narrow. And Jesus said this, Few there be that find it. Few are going to find it. I want you to think for a moment. Few is just a small portion. Several is a large portion. And if you look at, say, a dozen eggs and you say, I want a few eggs. How many is that? Two, Two, three, several. How many several? Brother James will say, yeah, seven, (laughs) eight, nine. That would be several of that dozen. Using that comparison, I want you to realize what likely percentage there may be. Most all of your friends, most all of your family, most everyone that you know, most everyone that you come in contact with are going to hell. The exception would be is if you've got a godly heritage and you've got a family that has a tradition of serving God and they are together. But I think you know what the comparison is. There's a way that is straight and narrow and it leads to Jesus. Many people make it hard. Many people think, well, I can't go to church. I can't serve God because it's just too hard. It's just, you know, the Bible just, you know, if I, if I try to live by this Bible, I'll just fail miserably. I'll just fail and I won't be able to do it, so I'm not even going to try. Can I tell you that God takes failures and he turns them into possibilities that the God I serve takes a heart that is looking for something meaning in your life and to fill some void that only Jesus is meant for in your life and when Jesus comes in and you invite him in to say Lord I just I don't know how but I'm going to trust you I'm going to trust what the preacher's saying I'm going to trust what the Bible says and I don't know how and when you make that commitment, and He will do the rest, and He will help you. doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to be without challenges. But what it means is that you can't fix you. Only He can fix you. Only He can fix me. If we could fix ourselves, we wouldn't need a Bible. We wouldn't need a Savior. We wouldn't need any of that. But we do desperately need a Savior because the Bible says the only way we're going to see God is to be holy like He is holy, be separated, which means set apart For him and for his purpose. So you don't have to get things just right. You don't have to say, well, I got to give up this and I got to give up that and I got to stop this and stop that. That's been tried and it's run more people off than I care to even think about. God doesn't call me to change your life. He doesn't call me to call out things in your life. If he did, I would. And I've done that in some people. But I'm not going to do it on my own. Because when he tells me to do it, it's one thing. But when I just observe and I think, you know, they'd really be better off if they'd stop doing that. I know that and they probably know it too. It's like my grandpa said one time. He said, you know, don't tell people that how they're living is wrong and what they're doing is wrong. He said, they already know that. Just tell them that Jesus loves them. Just tell them that Jesus loves them. And he does. He loves you. He loves each one of us. But it's really so simple. Romans 9, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's it. That's all you have to do right there. You will be saved. Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. That's all that you have to do. That's what the word of God says. You don't have to sign a membership card. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to recite anything. You just have to say, you know, you really just have to believe Jesus is Lord. I never will forget. I was praying with a guy one time in the hospital. I was talking to him about his heart and, and his condition. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I've been one to make sure I get the basis covered, lead somebody in the sinner's prayer, but I don't have to do that. I've seen it done. There's nothing wrong with doing that because sometimes people are, are nervous and they may not know what, what to think or say and, and, and it's good to pray, to talk to the Lord. And I was just, I was just at his bedside and I was sharing this verse with him I said, I said, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and I was holding his hand and no more than I said that he just starts saying Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, I, that's it. That's it right there. That's it. That's what the Bible says. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's important for us. And then once we make that commitment, we're called to live a separated life unto the Lord and to do our best for him. Hebrews 12, 1, the last part of that verse says, throw off everything, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled, entangles. Those that have, that have or are facing struggles of addiction and repetition, throw those things off so that you can proclaim, I am free, I am free. There are some physical addictions that may not instantly go away. My grandpa was addicted to cigarettes when he smoked and somebody asked him. I shared this before. He says, and he quit smoking when he got saved because that's what he thought Christians should do. He brought up his cigarettes out of his pocket and he laid them on the altar and gave his heart to the Lord. Never smoked again. And somebody asked him, says, Brother Ragsdale, did your... Did the Lord take those cigarettes away from you? Because God has done that before. He's delivered people from addiction instantly like that. It's happened. I've heard of it. He said, did the Lord take those cigarettes away from me? He said, no, sir. The Lord didn't want them. He said, I was just man enough to lay them down. I thought it applied. I remember... Jerry Henshaw shared this story a number of times. Jerry was addicted to alcohol. Yeah. Love the Lord. Come to the church. He would pray. He lived next door to the church in our old location. He come. He come over and he would pray. Very rarely did he come with alcohol on his, you know, on him as far as you know smell of alcohol. But sometimes it might have been left over from the day before or the night before. But he loved the Lord, and we we gather around him, we'd pray. And I made this statement. Uh, even before before I knew Jerry I think I said you know I don't care if if somebody comes in here with problems I don't care if somebody comes in falling down drunk if they come in and they're not disruptive we want them to stay we want them to receive what God has for them because we've all got problems And Jerry would come to the altar, and we would gather around him, and we would pray, and he would weep, and he would cry. And he'd been drinking since he was 15 years old, and he was now 65. And this man had spent most of his life drinking and being an alcoholic, needed help. Long story short, we got him into Teen Challenge. He went and was graciously and mightily delivered by the hand of the Lord and became on staff at Teen Challenge before uh, he passed away a few years later. And his son, Jonathan, made this statement in his memorial service. He said, you know, Dad may have may have done a lot of things that, that might not have been so great, but he finished well. He finished well. May I tell you that we can't do anything about what's happening up to now, but we can make sure that from this point forward we can finish well. Amen. Because I am free, I will pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Does not mean... You know, it says pray continually without ceasing, the King James says, not meaning that you have to just mutter a prayer all the time, but it's being in that spirit of prayer, having that prayer closet experience, that prayer, that prayer space that you go into, that prayer time, having that is is who you are to where when you, you feel the Holy Spirit just nudge you to pray. You have that spirit of prayer. You may be walking down the hall. You may be driving down the road and you just say, Lord, I love you. I praise you. You may not have to say it out loud. If you're in a public place, people might look at you kind of funny, you know. But, uh, but, but you know, that's okay, too. Just, it's all right. But just even in your heart, have that prayer. Pray continually. I've mentioned this over and over. Pray. Number two, read your Bible every day. Jesus said that, that his word should, in John 15, 7, 17, Jesus said that his word should abide and remain in us if we are to abide or remain in him. Yes. And then Hebrews oh, uh, 10, 25 talks about how that we should attend church. We should gather together. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. There is a day approaching, church, and it's fast approaching when he's coming back. So we pray continually, we read our Bible, we attend church often, we do these things often. And i want to throw a fourth one on here, which is hold to Jesus' teaching. John fourteen fifteen says that Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. In other words, live by the book. That's what Jesus said to do. So we pray, we read our Bible, we attend church often, and we live by the book. And if we do those three things initially, we will live by the book. Because as you get the Word of God into you, you know what it says. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not be your, let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. To say I'm going to return to that filth and that mess that I was in is saying that I'm going to put those chains back on. But God gave Jesus and Jesus came so that we could be free. And it is for freedom that we could be free. I want to close with this verse this morning out of Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave to show His servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take heart to what is written because The time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the king's of the earth. And this is what I want you to get this last sentence in verse number 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That was verse 6, which I didn't include there. Whether you are a prisoner to sin, to sickness, oppression of any kind, anxiety, identity crisis, relationship failure, Jesus said that He is the fulfillment of setting you free. Only Jesus can free the prisoner. Only Jesus can set the oppressed free. Don't leave here today until you know that you can confidently and from the depths of your heart and your soul proclaim, I am free. I am free. I'm free from the chains of my past. I'm free from the decisions in, that were bad of my own making. I'm free from the oppression of others' decisions in my past and I'm not going to use that to allow me to live in bondage anymore, but I am free today once and for all through the power of Jesus Christ and through His blood. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, I thank You because You have come so that we could be free. I ask, Lord, that right now You would just allow Your Holy Spirit to touch through each heart and each life whether online online whether here in person. Jesus. I will be free from sin, from oppression, from sickness, from anxiety, from worry. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I'm going to give you that opportunity we read together what the word of God says that all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and proclaim believe that God has raised him from the dead and and declare that he is Lord he is Lord Jesus you are my Lord hallelujah you are my Lord I trust you Lord I trust you and I believe in you and I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and according to your word I am saved I am free from that bondage and from that past in the name of Jesus I am free, you have set me free God from sin, from sickness, from disease and I will trust you in Jesus name I will live in the freedom that you have provided for me I'm not going to believe what the devil has told me because Jesus, you said that he's a thief. He's a liar. He's a destroyer. But Lord, you have come so that I could have life and I could have more abundant life and have it to the full. And I leave behind those lies of the enemy and I embrace the fullness of life that you have provided, Jesus, right now. In the name of Jesus.